So yeah, five years. Five years. I bet some of you are thinking, five years, man, her last preach must have been a corker. (laughs) In fact, probably if you asked me, I could probably tell you what I talked about as well, but we won't go down dark days. So... uh, so yes, some of you may not know who I am really, and um, as Leon said, I, I manage Face Trust, which is an organisation based in the, in the bottom of the building, and uh, some of the people that obviously work for me are, are part of this church here as well. But five years ago, you know, my life looked a lot different, and um, if you'd have said to me um, five years ago, Jane, do you know what, um, this is what your life's going to look like. You know, if you know, have you ever heard that phrase and people say, you know, if you'd ever told me that this was going to happen, I'd never would have believed you. You know, and, and I can honestly say, hand on heart this morning, that, that that would be my testimony. If you'd have told me five years ago what was going to happen during my life, the experiences I was going to go through, um, I, I would not have believed you. You know, five years ago, on the surface, everything looked to be going really well. Um, Russ and I, who uh, my husband, who who plays the, the, the bass guitar here, sometimes we'd just given over leadership of, of the youth to Steve and Liz Robinson. We'd we'd um, pastored the young people here for quite a while. Um, I, I, you know, leading a, a life group um, with young adults with with Leon. You know, I, I was preaching quite regularly. Um, I'd been on staff as a vo- voluntary capacity. Um, I was really quite integrated into the heart of the church, really, and and so was Russ. And basically our, our history, our stories, the fact that I've been probably a Christian probably around, probably just around 25 plus years really and married to us for 22 years this year. And so on the surface you probably look at us and think, yeah, you've probably got a really strong grasp and knowledge and, and depth about what this living this God life is all about. And you know, five years ago I would have gone, yes, yes we have, we have. We understand exactly what we're supposed to be doing. We know where we're going. Um, we understand how this whole faith things work. But what this experience has taught me is that there's always something new to be learned about this mystery called faith. You know, faith is a complete mystery. And it isn't something that you just add water to once. It's something that you need to continually be investing in and activating as often as we can. So just to give you a bit of um, a background of, of my story, really, um, when I met Russ, he was a Christian. We got married as a Christian couple. Um, we served God together. We were in, in, in worship teams very similar to this for years. We played across the world you know, together. I've had the privilege of working with some amazing people, listening to some amazing preachers, being part of an amazing church. And that's this one I'm talking about, by the way, not another one. Um, you know, and, and so we'd done all that together. And literally overnight... Um, Russ would say differently, but for me, literally overnight, it was though I went to bed one night with one person and I woke up in the morning and it was somebody completely different. It was almost as though somebody had taken everything out of Russ that I recognised that was who he was, was the person that I had married and sort of poured loads of stuff into him that made him almost unrecognisable to me. And he just literally got up in, in bed one morning. I can remember it really, really vividly now. And he just turned to me and went, Jane, this Christian thing's a load of rubbish, isn't it? Absolute load of rubbish. You know, I have served God for 20 years. We've been given money. We've given holiday time. We've gone on mission trips. You know, we've not had much time together. Really, we know we've had, you know, things with the family haven't happened for us. You know, this is, this is complete farce. You know, I've been robbed of 20 years of my life, is what he said to me. 
and I'm looking at him and I'm thinking, who are you? Who are you? Where has all of this come from? And I'm not going to say too much about his story because his story is really powerful on its own right. And I think it's only right that at some point, you know, you, you may, you know, be fortunate enough to hear his part of the story. But what I'm going to do is give you the window into my world and some of the things that happened to me on that journey over the last five years, really. And for some people, the very idea of faith um, makes little sense, does it? You know, there's been a number of best-selling books recently about why we should give up on faith while faith is irrelevant, um, that it shouldn't even be part of our culture anymore. We shouldn't be encouraging people to have faith in God. And so I can't really talk about faith today without talking about doubt. And, you know, even Mother Teresa wrote in one of her journals, you know, God, are you really there? So if you've ever had that thought or had that sentence cross your mind, you're in great company this morning because I'm going to give you permission to let that thought really come back into your brain this morning because I can probably guarantee that we've all had it, that we've all felt it. We may not have expressed it verbally, but we've all sat with it in our hearts and in our minds. So what we're going to look at this morning is, you know, what does it mean to believe? You know, what does it mean to question and struggle? Can we ask those types of questions and still have a growing relationship with God? And hopefully by the end of of the service this morning, we can go out and say, yes, we can. We can wrestle, we can struggle, and we can still grow in our relationship with God. Because doubt is an inescapable part of the human condition. We cannot live a doubt-free life, can we? We cannot live a doubt-free life. You know, and doubt is as natural to me as things like worry, anxiety, fear. These are all things that are more natural to me and easier to experience than faith seems to be. Um, and looking at other people's lives and envying their experience is a natural thing for us humans to do. But the truth is, isn't it, that we can't wait until all doubt is removed before we make a commitment to something. So I would never have got married if all my doubts had been removed, I would never have married Russ. And I said it at half past nine. And it just, I might as well say it now because it's out there, isn't it? That as I was walking down the aisle, my dad turned to me and went to me, are you sure? Are you really sure? That is true. That is true. As, not because he didn't think Russ was right, but because he knew that this was a really big commitment. And I was investing my life into somebody. And he would have taken me home at that point because he loved me so much. You know, and Russ knows that, so that's okay. That's going to be no shock to him. It really, really isn't. But we'd never have taken certain jobs, would we? If we were waiting to be doubtful, we'd never have taken certain jobs. Some of you may not even have had children if you're waiting for all the doubts to be taken away. And what I want to say to you this morning, that if you're sitting here and maybe you haven't um, come to that point when you've said, you know, made a commitment to God to become a Christian, as we call it, don't wait until all your doubt has gone before you pursue that relationship, because it will never happen. It will never happen. And so if you're sitting there saying, well, I'm, I'm all right with that bit, but I'm not so sure about this, why not give Jesus a chance? Why not give Jesus a chance today? Because I can tell you that in the middle of my difficult times, in the privacy of my own mind, in my own home, I have asked the question, is what I believe about God really true? Is what I believe about God really true? And the second thing I want to say is that every human being lives by faith. Every human being lives by faith. And people say, you know, I wish I could have faith like you. I wish I could have faith like that person, but I just can't. And it's almost like we have this, um, this theory that there are two types of people. That some people live only by, you know, what can be proven, you know, what is, na- is rational and logical. And then, then there are these faith kind of people who really engage, disengage their brain when it comes to God. Because, of course, we do, don't we? As soon as we, we, we give our life to Christ, we can disengage our brain, take it out, and we don't think things through anymore. Well, that's ridiculous. Of course we do. 
Of course we do. And, you know, even people who've written those books that I mentioned a while ago, you know, Richard Dawkins, really, really popular writer. I'm going to quote him this morning um, because I don't want to misquote him. He said that his best explanation of life on earth is that we come from Martians. He wrote that in his book. Now, Russ said things that were really extreme over the last five years, but he never went to that level. He never sat up and said to me, Jane, I think we're all from Martian life forms. And, and he never said that. But he said some pretty wild and unbelievable stuff to me that I didn't recognise, and I had no idea where it came from. So everyone lives by faith, because faith is only required when there are doubts. So I want to free you up this morning. It is okay to doubt. Okay? It is all right to have doubts. And um, because it's one we don't know for sure. And that's okay. But here's the thing. When knowledge comes, we don't need faith anymore. When we're sure of something, we don't need faith anymore. So if we all have faith, and we all live by faith, and everybody has some element of faith in something, how does God go about the process of crafting in us faith in him? You know, how does God transform it into a person who really does And the key verse that we're looking at this morning, walk by faith and not by sight. How does God do that in us? And we're going to look at two accounts in the Bible. It's the same story written in two different places. It's going to be really familiar. You're going to know what it is as soon as we start talking about it. The words are going to come up on the screen. And they're found in Mark 6.45 and Matthew 14.22. And it's about Jesus walking on the water. And I'm reading the both accounts for two reasons. One because of some similarities and one because there's a really subtle difference. But they're both true. So we'll start with Mark 6.45. And it says, Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. And after leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was alone on land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them walking on the lake, and he was about to pass by them. But when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost, and they cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately, he spoke to them and said, take courage at his eye. Don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down. They were completely amazed, for they had not understood about the loaves, and their hearts had been hardened. And then Matthew 14, 22 says, Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. So there we have the really famous Jesus walking on the water story. But before I get into this, I just want to make a distinction, really. Um, There's a really big difference between amazement and faith. A huge, huge difference between amazement and faith. So... um, I went to Blackpool a number of years ago and there was um, this bungee 
um, thing that they used to fling people out over the sea and they'd strap them in, just let them go, they'd fly out, you know, seemed to be really having a good time they were and I'd be amazed, I was fascinated by how this thing worked and we'd stand there for ages and watching people get strapped in and be flung out and come back and, and then Russ went to me, you know, well, do you want to have a go? I was like, no, why on earth would I, why on earth would I want to do that? Why would I want to put myself into that situation? You know, because we can be amazed by something but not have any faith in it at all. You know, and you could be sitting this morning and be amazed by the things you hear about God, but you may not yet have any faith in him at all. So there is a really big distinction between those two things. The disciples in the boat were amazed by Jesus. Did they all have faith in him? I can't answer that question. But it's a question I think I've asked myself. So here the disciples are in the boat. So what was my boat? So I felt that Jesus had asked me to be with Russ and support him and be where he was. So um, I gave everything up that I did here, um, you know, didn't teach or preach, lead anything, um, just did my job. And I remember Leon saying to me all those years ago, you know, well, Jane, you can do as much as you want to, as little as you want to, it's all good. You know, we'll just see how this thing plays out. So I sort of thought, this is the great thing, I'll give it all up. Russ was still coming to church at that point, but wasn't involved in anything. So he was still pitching up to the services. So I thought, I'll go and be with him. I'll go and be where he is. But see, but then I'm in the middle of this storm that I haven't asked for and I'm totally, totally unprepared for. Because what had happened before is that anything that had happened in our life had been external and we were together. So we believed the same things, we trusted the same God, we could pray together, we could talk about things, we could make a plan with God together to see something through. This was internal. All of a sudden this thing had come up between us and it separated us off. We no longer believed the same framework. We no longer lived in the same sort of standard. There were things that Russ really, really held were true that I just couldn't hold with. You know, we were totally, totally on different sides of a fence, literally overnight. So I'm sure when the storm starts, um, as we all do, and I'm sure the disciples did this in this story, um, we fight, don't we? We think we're going to get tough. Bring it on. Bring it on. If you think you can do this to me, you know, we'll stand, I'll stand in, you know, we'll sort this out together. And the Bible says, you know, that the, the disciples were straining on the oars. And, you know, I was going to get rushed through this crisis of faith. That was my stance. And it's almost like I'd set myself, you know, it was like, whatever you can do, you are not going to, you're not going to rob me of this. But what do you do when it carries on? What do you do when nothing changes and the storm continues and the waves are still crashing and the, the wind is still blowing and nothing seems to go on and it went on and on and on. For the disciples, it was hours in that story. For me, it was years. Years. And then I do what we all do next, which is, and for those of you who know me really well, I'm the queen of denial. I can live as though something isn't happening until, until it's to my detriment, really. So I was really great at thinking... Okay, we'll just leave all this going on. God, you'll sort that because it's all going to get better. And as quickly as Russ got up and said, blah, 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 he could wake up tomorrow and go, Ashley, Jane, it's all good, isn't it? You know, I'm sorry about that little blip I had, you know. I don't know what I was thinking. So we do this thing and we run away and we hide away from stuff and we live as though something isn't happening. When it's obvious to everybody else that it actually is. And the only person that's in denial is me. I'm the person that's living in denial. So what did I do? How did that look like for me? I stopped going to church as regularly as I did because I wanted to go and be where he was. I wanted to support him. I wanted to show him that I was still with him. 
I disconnected from my life group. Didn't have a life group. Didn't have community. My friendship group got really, really small. I just came to work, kept myself to myself, and did my thing. Because I thought being where Russ was in his world was going to help. And just as an aside to this, really, those people that that really stand with you in something, do you know what? I just want to just honour you this morning if you're standing with somebody in that situation because you don't see the effect of that until later on. You don't feel the support of that till later on. And there were people that really stood with Russ that were like immovable. No matter what he said, no matter what he did, they were the same. They were the same. And the same for me. You know, there were people that I could talk about it with, but it got very, very small, and it wasn't connected into community at all. And there are times where the challenges and stresses and uncertainties of life grow bigger than our understanding of how big Jesus is. And that's what happened to me. And it's then when we start to wonder where our help's going to come from. You know, maybe Jesus isn't big enough. Just maybe he isn't big enough for this. So we start asking questions, don't we? Like, where are you? Do you really have the ability, God? Do you really have the ability to intervene in my life when I need you most? And then the biggest one for me was, are you punishing me? Are you punishing me? What on earth have I done to deserve this? And these are the types of questions, you know, I was starting to ask. And I didn't realize at the time that through this whole experience, I was on my own journey with God, totally separate to us, totally separate to him. Because Jesus will take me where I haven't chosen to go in order to produce in me what I can't achieve on my own. Jesus will take me where I haven't chosen to go in order to produce in me what I can't achieve on my own. So when we've fought and we've we've flighted, we've run away, and when we've had fear about stuff, what God really wants is faith. And what's faith? I've, I've worked out that faith is when me and God make a plan and we work that work together. And we do that journey together. That's faith. So Jesus is all powerful, isn't he? We know that, we accept that. That's a given in this story. You know, he's all powerful. He's just, you know, fed 5,000 people with nothing really. Um, He's raised people from the dead. He's cured sicknesses and diseases, so he's all powerful. And um, so all Jesus wanted to do was to remove the difficulty. He could have just said that from the shore, couldn't he? He would just have said, peace be still, and all of that stuff would have stopped. The wind would have died down, the waves would have stopped, it all would have ceased. So that says to me, there's something else going on here. And if all it was, was Jesus walking on the walls to say, hey guys, you need to have an understanding of how great I am. Yes, I am the son of God, and you need to be reminded of that. And actually, I can defy even the laws of nature. Then why did he stand so far away from the boat? Why did he let them be terrified by him? Why didn't he just go up to them and go, just look guys, it's me, it's all good. You know, we could get through this together. And that says to me that Jesus was more interested in the people in the boat than the circumstances that were surrounding them. So there's something about this story that we need to grasp. So here are the disciples in the boat, in the middle of the storm, getting more and more helpless, feeling isolated, and here was I in my boat, getting more and more helpless, couldn't change a thing, But the difference was I was isolating myself. I was isolating myself. Both of us living by sight and not by faith. So what happens is Jesus injects himself into the story. The only thing that changes in this story, in the scene, in the weather, is that Jesus is there now. The wind doesn't die down. The waves don't go away. The weather doesn't change, but there's Jesus. There he is walking on the water in front of them. And the disciples must have thought, what is going on? 
Have you thought that? I have. God, what is going on? What are you doing? You can see the circumstance I'm in. You can see what's happening to me. What on earth are you doing? And what I believe Jesus was saying when he was walking on the water towards them is, in the storm, in the waves, is, don't you understand I'm with you always? I'm with you always. In every situation, while the storm is still raging, while you're terrified, I'm with you forever. And it's often when we're at our weakest point in the middle of the storm that we actually start to begin to get it. And I got it. I suddenly got it. I'm never left alone. I'm never left to my own little wisdom and understanding. I'm never left to my own small amount of strength. I'm never left to my own little spiritual resource because he is always with me. He is always with me. So then we have Peter calling out to Jesus. If it's you, if it's you, call me to you. And we know the story. Jesus extended the invitation to Peter to come. But then Peter had to make the choice to get up out of the boat and go to where Jesus was. Still in the storm. Still in the storm. And then we all know the story. He took his eyes off Jesus. He began to sink. you know. And it was then that Jesus reached out to him and said, oh, Peter, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? And there are those two words again in the same sentence. Because Jesus knows this is where we are. We're always within the tension of faith and doubt. We're always living between the two tension of those two words. And so it was with me. I had to make a choice to get out of the boat and go to be where Jesus was. While the storm was still raging, with no guarantee that anything would change, but knowing that he was telling me to come. So how did that look on the outside? I realized that staying in the boat, putting all my energy into being where Russ was and trying to support him was killing my own relationship and walk with God. I was getting nothing. I was getting nothing. So I had to go to be where Jesus was. And where was that for me? Where is that for you? I began coming to church on my own for quite a, quite a long time. And people would, would say to me, how's Russ? You know, how's he doing? And um, before, I'd be like, oh, he's fine, you know. Oh, he's doing okay. Oh, he's doing something else this morning. I'd make excuses for him. Now I felt able to say, do you know what? He's, he's not great, actually. Th- this is how things are. These are the sort of things that he's saying. This is how difficult this is. Because I connected back into the community. I connected back into a life group sometime later after that. I just want to encourage you, if you are tempted to leave your life group when things are going hard and wrong, can I please ask you to reconsider that decision? Because community works when we let God work through the community. And what often happens is that we, something happens to us and we get a trial and a difficulty and we shrink back and we pull away and it's like, no, I can manage this really great on my own thank you and we pull back and we get really small and then what we do is we make the target that God has to hit really small and although God can do that and he does do that what we should be doing is making the target God needs to hit really big so in me cutting off coming to church not joining a life group I was stopping some of you from helping me I was stopping some of you from having encouragement from God from having words for me from getting alongside me from giving me the support that I needed to actually get through the journey. We need to keep connected to community. We need to stay in the process together. As hard and as unnatural as that feels, we need to make sure that we're connected into community. And over that two-year period, there were some things that I learnt, some things that I had to stop doubting, and some things that I had to start believing again and putting my faith into. You see, God wasn't punishing me. 
God isn't punishing you. And it can feel like that, can't it, when life's hard? It can feel like, what did I do? I must have done something for this. Did I not do something? Did I do something wrong? Did I miss something on the way? Is God paying me back for something? I just want to tell you this morning that that's a lie. And you may feel it, but don't feed it. Don't feed it. Because I've understood that Jesus took the punishment for me. When he went to the cross and he died for me, that was my punishment time. Everything that I was going to do was there placed on him. Now, this is very different than me making a choice and living from the implications and consequences of that choice. But that's not God punishing me. That isn't God punishing me. The second thing was God hadn't failed me. God had not failed me. You know, I could look over the fence into somebody else's garden and think, that promise there is growing well for you, isn't it? But look at my, look at the state of my garden. But naturally, I need to start believing that God is never without power and he's never without a plan. Never without power and he's never without a plan. And when we are hurting, and I'm not minimising this at all, when we are hurting, we need to grow in trust because that's part of what faith is. That's part of what faith is. The third thing was that God had not abandoned me. God hadn't left me. You know, it's easy to believe, isn't it, that God is really near when times are good and God is, where are you when times are hard? That isn't the God that I know now. And Leon spoke last week about that verse, you know, about draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. And I love how God seems to work these things in, that actually drawing near to God for me was me getting out of the boat. That one step into the water, into the waves, into the storm, and then God was really flying and running to meet me. There's two really important things I've learned though. One is God will not always make it better for me. God doesn't promise that things will change. He promises that I will change. And the second thing is, God will not answer every question I have either. You know, when life gets hard, you know, the last five years, I've had every question, you know, um, when, why, how, where, what, if, you know. But God says, live by faith and not by sight. Look to me, don't look to these answers. And Paul says in the New Testament, you know, that now we see in part, which says to me, Jane, you're just going to have to wait for some stuff. There's some stuff that you're never going to know and you're never going to understand. But that's okay. Because an experience with Jesus is that moment when you suddenly find yourself able to believe. When out on the water, in the middle of the storm, you just see it. You just get it. And I'd have that moment when I got out of the boat and I went to be where Jesus was in the waves. And all I can explain to you is, is that I clung on to this guy for dear life. I was hanging on by my fingernails. And it was like, God, you're with me always. But then what the hard thing is, we can't stay there. We can't stay there. And this is the really important thing I want you to see this morning, is that with Peter, he went out to where Jesus was in the storm, and yes, he started to sink. Then they both got back into the boat that Peter got out of, while the storm was still raging, while everything was still going on. Nothing had changed except that Jesus was now in the boat. And this took about quite a period of time for me. But, you know, I'm really, I can't tell you how. That, like, Russ has now had his own unique experience of reconnecting with God. And he's now on that path of restoration in his faith. And I can honestly say to you, this man is a different man than even the man I married. 
He, you know, when we, do you remember when um, we did the, um, we had the daily readings and uh, we had the booklets, do you remember we had those booklets out and we, we did that thing every day and, uh, and I'd get home from work and he'd go, have you done your reading today, Jane? I'd be like, hang on, mate, I've been waiting five years for this, you know, back off, who do you think's been doing it all? But it's, I never, never had that experience with him before. And we would pray together and stuff, but he'd never be saying, do you know what, I read this today, Jane, I was on my way home from work today and just thought God say this to us about doing this thing. And I just think, oh, Lord, you know what? You are so great. You are so, so great. Because there has to be a purpose behind doubt. There has to be a purpose behind doubt because we have them so often. And if you're sitting here saying, no, I've never doubted God, then I'm sorry. Can you come and tell me how you do that? Because... Because you found an art there that I've never found. Because we all have doubt. And I want to say to you, you have permission to doubt this morning. You have permission to doubt this morning in what God is doing. But doubt has to lead us to stronger faith. Doubt has to lead us to stronger faith. And sometimes when we doubt, we can get overcome by feelings of guilt because we think, am I not a very good Christian then? I'm not a very good Christian. I shouldn't be thinking these things. God, you must feel so bad about me. I'm such a terrible person because I'm doubting you. We're naturally, what we should be doing is being authentic. We should be, um, be able to say what exactly what we feel because I think it's impossible to really trust Jesus if way down, deep inside us, we don't think something he said is right. And the way forward through any doubt is to begin with honesty. And say, yeah, I'm feeling this. I'm thinking this. You know, John 8, 32 says, you will know the truth and the truth will set you. Oh, it's making sure you're all still with me. It doesn't say you'll believe the truth and the truth will set you free. It says you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So how do we know this truth? There's no other way I've found than to trust Jesus than to work it out and to think and to question and to wrestle and to struggle until you come to see that he really is who he says he is. That he really is who he says he is. And doubt motivates you to do that. To go to Jesus just as we are and ask for help. And as difficult as those seasons of life might be, and I don't know what storms you're going through this morning and where you sit in that, but do you know what? It just might lead you to a deeper, richer faith in your life. And just as we come to a close, I just want to read these last things that Jesus ever said to us really from Matthew 28. And the words are going to come up on the screen. And it says, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Still, it's there. Even after all the stuff they'd been through, some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And you know what? Jesus looked at those worshipping yet doubting disciples and said, go into the world, you doubters. Go into the world, you doubters, and change it. Go into the world, you doubters, and make a difference. Go into the world, you doubters, and change it. And he says that to us this morning. Go, you doubters. Go and make a difference. Go and tell people what a difference I can make in this world. Because followers of Jesus are not people who never doubt or ever struggle. But what followers of Jesus do do is doubt and worship. Doubt and serve. Doubt and help each other with their struggles and and doubts of their own. We put ourselves in the way of God. 
And I just want you to close your eyes just for a moment. And I just want you to think about what I've said. And Kirsty's just going to sing just a couple of refrains over you. And just let the words of these refrains just sink into your heart and into your spirit this morning. And just be really open with God. Just be really open with God. You doubting disciples. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander, and my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander, and my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. So what do I want you to go away remembering, if nothing else? I want you to see before you a person who believes and yet doubts, who hopes and yet fears, who prays and yet I waver, I ask and yet I still worry, but I believe and I ask Jesus to help my unbelief. And I've found that Jesus is more than big enough to handle my doubt is more than big enough to handle the thoughts that go through my head is more than big enough to handle when I don't think he's big enough and you might be thinking this morning if I walk on the water Jane will he catch me will he catch me and one of the things that has happened to me over the past time is that my vocabulary started to change and it's not can God restore? It's now God does restore. It's not can God bring healing? It's now God does bring healing. It's not can God be with me and intervene and have the ability to sustain me? It's now God does. He does do it. And I just want to ask you to stand this morning. I'm going to ask you to do something that's really quite brave. And it's what we did at the 9.13. And I would just love to pray for those this morning that are in similar situations to where I was. You know, are you doubting? Are you in that place that makes me just think, God, I just don't know what you're doing. I can't see where this is going. I can't see that you're with me. I, I just don't understand the situation that's surrounding me. one thing I do know is that if you never believe, if you never hope, if you never trust then you will never know you will never know and I want to invite you to have your moment with Jesus this morning and that involves you stepping out of your boat and coming to be where Jesus is, which is right here 
And you may be the loneliest walk that you think you're going to take, but I guarantee you won't go back to your seat on your own. Because God will go back to the boat that you've just got out of. And maybe you've disconnected and maybe you've thought, you know what? This church isn't working for me. This faith thing isn't working for me. I can't see how all this pulls together. Then come and meet Jesus out on the water and have that moment and that experience where you just believe and you get it and he's got you and he holds you and he takes you back to where you've just walked from but with a greater sense of strength and a greater sense of purpose because doubt must lead us to stronger faith in him. So as we sing this song, I just want to ask you to come out to the front and ministry team, if you see people come, just come and stand with them. You're not going to have to share anything. I'm not going to ask you any questions, but I'd love to pray for you out of the experience that I've had and the journey that I've been on because God will meet you right where you are this morning. So be brave. Come and meet God on the water.